Well, I'm not sure if you've heard of CFAM, but CFAM is the Center for Family and Human Rights. It's based in New York, and they keep an eye on all things UN and all the radical stuff coming out of the UN. Of course, there's no shortage. But now it's the World Health Organization, WHO, that they're warning us about. Uh, let's check it out. So according to a report by CFAM, the World Health Organization is preparing its first ever global guideline on transgender medical protocols, and it's to fight the rapid spread of bans and restrictions on transgender surgeries and drugs, especially for children. The WHO guidelines will be geared towards, quote, increasing access and utilization of quality and respectful health services by trans and gender diverse people, end quote. Hmm. Wonder why they just don't use medical professionals. Uh, it goes on, they will promote gender affirming care, health workers education and training, indoctrination, as well as legal recognition of self-determined gender identity. Uh, countries that were once pioneers and leaders in administering transgender medical protocols are now prohibiting or restricting transgender affirming treatments, they say, especially for minors. Uh, and of course, you know, some of these countries are waking up. These countries include the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Finland, Sweden, Norway, Germany, amongst other over a dozen US states have also ad adopted bans on trans care for kids. And the WHO guidelines are expected to take these developments head on. Now, the guideline development group chosen by the World Health Organization staff is comprised, well, it's entirely of transgender activists and medical providers. In fact, I have the list here. Let's check it out. So we've got Alicia Kruger, who's an advisor on inclusion, diversity, and equity in health policies in the Brazilian Ministry of Health. Uh, interesting start. Inverse, inclusion, diversity, and equity. Uh, Ayuba Al-Hamahamri is a trans and feminist activist based in Morocco. In 2018, they, not he or she, they co-initiated a Moroccan LBTQ woman and non-binary group. Chris McLaughlin is chairperson of the Sexuality and Gender Division of the Psycho Psychological Society of South Africa and the Professional Association of Transgender Health South Africa, a board member of WPATH, which is a, a radical uh, transgender activist group. Uh, Chris identifies as gender non-binary trans masculine. Hmm. Okay, uh, uh, and Russell, I think is the name, based in Brussels, Belgium. They started LGBTI activism in the US in 96 uh, and director of Trans Survivors Network. Alma de Vries from South Africa, founding member and current secretary of the Professional Association for Transgender Health South Africa, co-author of the Gender Affirming Guidelines for South Africa. Did I say America? South Africa. Uh, Erica Castellanus is a trans woman from the Netherlands, currently the executive director of Global Action for Trans Equality. Uh, Esther Kims Kimsmodi, chief executive of South Sexual and Reproductive Health Matters, which promotes sexual and reproductive health and rights globally. So that's not just trans, that's abortion as well. Uh, chair of was Sexual Rights Committee and is Hungarian. Uh, Florence Ashley is a trans feminist jurist uh, from Canada, 
served as the first openly trans feminine law clerk at the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, it, you can see the trend here, can't you? Rena Janin Masok uh, from Bangkok, Thailand, uh, established the first transgender-led health clinic and co-founded the Thai Transgender Alliance. This is a really balanced committee from the World Health Organization, isn't it? Sanjay Sharma from India, uh, he, well, that's good, at least he can figure out biology, he is the founding director and CEO of the Association for Transgender Health in India, a board member of WPATH, red flag. Uh, Teddy Cook from Australia, a queer man of trans experience, led the creation of Trans Hub, uh, La Trobe University, red flag, National LGBTI Health Alliance Trans Advisory Group, Trans Advisory Council, uh, yep, Walter Bochting from Columbia University, Director of the Program for the Study of LGBTQ Health and Neuroscience of Gender, the Neuroscience of Gender, internationally known expert in gender-affirming healthcare. Uh, two more, Yanyan Arana is an empowered transgender woman from the Philippines, Program Manager of uh, an organization that provides sexual health and gender-affirming services. And lastly, Zakaria Nessa has been involved in trans and queer feminist organizing in Lebanon since 2007, uh, co-founded a group producing queer feminist knowledge, uh, focuses on trans leadership, and is committed to trans connectedness and liberation and to implementing ethical structures and government processes. Right. That sounds real balanced and independent, doesn't it? The WHO guidelines will have to contend, unfortunately for them, with the growing body of evidence against the efficacy of transgender care and its harms. Uh, there's a well-documented increased risk of suicide for transgender identifying individuals after their medical transition. A higher risk than for individuals who identify as transgender and never transition. It's increasingly reported that children have adopted transgender identities under social pressure or anxiety, and moreover, most children who experience discomfort with their biological sex eventually grow out of it. But perhaps most alarmingly, the lifelong consequences of transgender medical protocols are only just becoming widely known. As we know, when children are put on trans drug regimens, uh, regimens they may not be aware of or capable of understanding the dire consequences of such drugs, including blood clots, cancer, aggressive and premature osteoporosis, infertility and sexual impotence. And once children are on such drugs, they will likely be required to take the medication for the rest of their lives. Now, if you want to see an example of that, just watch my interview with Chloe Cole, which is available on our YouTube channel and which we showed at the Forum on the Family. Beware of anything the WHO says about this issue, because they're going in with only one eye open, as you can see from the makeup of their so-called expert committee. But what was interesting was that there was a damning letter just last week in the Wall Street Journal from 21 clinicians and researchers from nine countries involved in direct care of the fast-growing numbers of teenagers presenting with gender distress. And they say, there is no good evidence that medicalized gender change prevents suicide. And politicized medical societies are exaggerating the benefits of these medical interventions while playing down the risks. The signatories include the prominent psychiatrists, Professor Kateala of Finland, Professor Stephen Levine of the United States, clinical psychologist 
Dr. Anna Hutchinson, family psychotherapist, Dr. Anastasis Spiliadis, both former in, uh, internal critics of hasty medicalization at the Tavistock Gender Clinic in the UK. Uh, we've got Swedish child psychiatrists there, the director of Belgium Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine, uh, and psychologist and child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Carolyn Ilyachev. Um, and both of them are co-founders of the French watchdog group, The Little Mermaid, and American endocrinologist, Dr. William Malone, uh, and Florida pediatrician and bioethicist, uh, Patrick Hunter. See, and that's, you know, though, that's quite an expert group. But gender activists have claimed that more than 2,000 studies show, this is what the article talks about, that the gender activists show that more than 2,000 studies show gender-affirming treatment improved well-being and reduced suicide risk. But the July 14 letter from Professor Katiala and her colleagues turns the tables on the society and they say this, Dr. Ham's claim, this is a gender activist who's leading the group, that gender transition reduces suicides is contradicted by every systematic review of the evidence base, including the review published by the Endocrine Society, which states, quote, we could not draw any conclusions about death by suicide. Uh, and they say there is no reliable evidence to suggest that hormonal transition is an effective suicide prevention measure. And the letter continues. Every systematic review of evidence to date, including the one published in the Journal of Endocrine Society, has found the evidence for mental health benefits of hormonal interventions for minors to be of low or very low certainty. By contrast, the risks are significant and include sterility, lifelong dependence on medication, and the anguish of regret. See, the truth is starting to be revealed on the destructiveness to our young people of the gender ideology and its consequences. And of course, Chloe Cole, in my interview with her, said exactly that. Let me just play you a short clip. Were your parents ever told uh, they had to go along with what you were saying because it's better to have a live son than a dead daughter? Oh yeah, that's the exact ultimatum they gave them. I mean, they initially pushed back on it. Like they're, they tried to adjust to me changing my name and they're okay with me changing the way I dress, mm. but they didn't want me to be making any permanent decisions until so I was legally an adult which in the U.S. is 18, but could have been much, much later. They were guilt-tripped into it by my doctors, pretty much. They were told, like, well, they weren't given any other option. They weren't told that, they weren't told about the high desistance rates in children with gender dysphoria. None of us really were given the full picture of things, even in our consent forms, a list of, uh, of all the potential side effects from the treatments. Well, even when you had your mastectomy, were you told the true consequences of that? I was told that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed, but I was 15. A 15 year old is not thinking about that. And on top of that, I was in the mindset of like, I'm a guy, I'm trying to become a male and men don't breastfeed. Yeah, so lessons from, uh, you can watch the whole of that uh, interview on our YouTube channel, Family First NZ. So lessons from today. The WHO, the World Health Organization has been captured by activists and ideologues tread very carefully with anything coming out of the who on this issue. And secondly, don't believe the myth regarding if you don't trans your child, they'll commit suicide. There is no credibility to that claim. And medical professionals and counselors using that line are pushing an agenda, not fact. It's time to speak up for our young people 
against this destructive agenda. Mm-hmm.